Welcome to the Change Something Podcast, where we recognize that we all have 168 hours in one week. How will you leverage it? How will you use it not only for your own good, but for the good of your city? On this podcast, we'll speak with psychologists, chiropractors, teachers, truckers, first responders, writers, and all sorts of professionals every month for 15 minutes or less to provide tools and tips to not only better your life, but to help you participate in the good of your city. My name is John Ju, and I'm glad that you are joining us. Today, I have a special guest with me who has made an unlikely career change from Christian pastor to VP, financial consultant for Charles Schwab. Peter Park, thank you so much for being on the show. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Great to be here with you, John. Thanks for the invitation. Absolutely. But before we dive into how you would encourage our listeners to think about money and before you provide a tip, can you tell us just what led you to making the career change from pastor to financial consultant? So when I graduated from college with a business and psychology uh, degree, I had always thought that I would be going back to New York to help upscale sure. my parents' restaurant in New York. And then you fast forward a couple of years and all of a sudden you got this a sense in your heart uh, to go into full-time ministry. Much of the emphasis during that time period was a need for starting new churches uh, or just okay. reviving some struggling churches. But when we finished up the last church, uh, Jenny and I really kind of said, what are we going to do? Are we going to go up, uh, start a new church somewhere or go to a different state? And, uh, you know, after just a little searching and discerning, we decided that we were going to stay here and decided to kind of look into finance, uh, which I did a little bit of that. And then a friend of mine uh, recommended me to go to one of the firms here and you know, sure. got my licensing. And so I've been in, the, in this role in terms of finance overall together, probably about eight years now altogether. Yeah. So it's been a full circle for you, it sounds like, from kind of finance business undergrad to going to more church ministry and then back to it now again. Yeah. Um, well, although we're pivoting away from COVID-19, I have to ask, as you are in the finance industry, how would you describe the financial market right now in 2020 to somebody who's worried about their finances? Yeah, I mean, this is a topic of conversation here in the past uh, month. Sure. I mean, you read all the headlines, uh, you talk to different people, and people use uh, words like unprecedented mm. uh, and so we've never seen anything like this, uh, at least not in our generation. Maybe our grandparents have gone through it maybe sure. a little bit with, uh, you know, the Spanish flu or some other pandemic uh, in the old days. But this is definitely one of those things where it's going to be a life-defining moment for a lot of people, kind of like the 9-11. You know, people will remember where they were, what was happening, and this will be passed on in our stories and even to our kids who... Uh, basically didn't have to go to school for the past uh, month and a half. and Extended so, summer vacation. <laughs> so, well, I guess not really because of our learning. but that, That's yeah. right. I would never say that in front of a teacher. <laughs> that's know, right. But, uh, but certainly, you know, people's lives have been turned upside down in terms of where the market is from finance. It has certainly been very volatile, uh, very turbulent. Sure. Um, I would say even the market analysts who been around the block for 20, 30 years, have, can't agree as to what's going to happen in the market, whether it's going to 
go up or go down. And so, you know, people have used words like we're going to go get to a new high in the market or even some people, other pundits say that we're going to lead into a depression era from sure. the early century. So, Yeah. So it sounds like the gamma of analysis is really all over the place. Uh, the turning down makes sense. Can you unpack for us a little bit about how we would hit a high? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, for the past 10 years, right up until mid-February or so, you know, we've had a market high since uh, 2008 time period. And the stock market has gone up. People's wealth uh, has gone up. You know, we always knew that there was going to be some sort of a, at least a market correction. You Generally, it's a terminology that will have at least a 10% pullback on the market. Okay. But uh, – we certainly didn't think that uh, while there was going to be some sort of a downturn, we didn't think that it was going to be going at this speed, at this rate. Right. Imagine that would happen. I mean, the 21st century, can a germ or you know, a virus really affect the market globally this badly? Which is the, uh, the irony of modernity and that even modernity can't stop a virus to decimate uh, you know, people's lives or uproot them. Yeah, it seems like Bill Gates knew, though, a few years ago <laughs> that it was coming. <laughs> a vision for the Change Something podcast is to help our listeners or someone that they know receive tips so that we can be good for our communities. And when it comes to money, there seems to be three broad strokes. And this is a guy named Brad Klontz. He's a financial psychologist. And he says the three scripts are money avoidance scripts, which means money is unimportant or rich people are greedy. That's kind of the mind frame that you have, or maybe you're in the money worship script where money will make me happier. That's a belief that you hold on to, or a money status script. My self-worth is equal to my net worth. And he goes on to say that money scripts are shaped by direct experience, family stories, and parental attitudes. So in light of this, what tip would you offer somebody who is swimming in one of those scripts? You know, a lot of times when we think about money, we think about as being more static or that there is no it's a it's a tool to be used at the same time there's a lot of emotions that are attached to it and i think like you had mentioned you know a lot of it has to do with our uh, experiences sure. our perceptions of it and you know how we feel emotionally about it and i think when you have this complexity of relationships, I think it's really important to be honest as to where you are, what your feelings are, and uh, trying to come together with uh, what the goal is going to be because you know, you're trying to do it together in the future, uh, not, not just for yourself, but it also impacts other people around it. So yeah. certainly having that level of understanding, being self-reflective and what the goal is. Yeah, I think self-reflective is definitely maybe a very helpful term because I think often we just don't want to think about it. We have a relationship with money. We might not have had time or intentionality to actually process it, but those three terms mm -hmm. of avoidance, worship, or status, I mean, all three of yeah. those are just, they're not healthy. Yeah. So, you know, I think the key is to not just to look at the negative side of money, but at the same time, be empowered to what money could do. Mm. Perhaps, you know, from a very Puritan style that we have grown up, we tend to think money is the root of all evil. Mm. Well, I tend to think that money can be used as a tool to not just to help yourself and your family 
or your goals, but at the same time, uh, help other people with generosity. So being able to kind of have that light switch moment to say, rather than just being avoidant or worship or just using it as your own personal insecurity and status, how can we use that to be able to help others um, yeah, that that's so good. That switch in in mindset, and I, I want to talk a little bit more about that later in our time. Yeah, I do think as Brad Klontz, the financial psychologist, was saying, and even as yeah. you were mentioning, Peter, like processing through your di- direct experience with money, your family stories and history, and your parental attitudes will be really helpful in shedding new light about your relationship with money. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So back in 2000, the median debt in the United States was $50,000. In 2019, according to Experian, it's closer to $90,000. What is one practical tool you would suggest to someone who wants to take the first step in getting out of debt, not only for their own good, but for the good of their community? I think part of the solution of debt management is going to be just really a we need to be honest with ourselves, right? I mean, there's things that are kind of what kind of a goal you have with these financial concerns you have. And I think the first step really is to, you need a financial, what we call, okay. I call a financial intervention. And that really means that just like any person or a family that's drowning in debt and you're swimming out there by yourselves, you can try to swim ashore, but it's going to be a major uh, task. And so I just really think that with the financial intervention, you need to uh, have someone around mm. you or a group of people around you to kind of throw that lifesaver or that, uh, you know, float device where sure. you can just really hang on. Secondly, is to talk about why you get into debt. And when you think about debt, uh, there are some things that really is attached to some yeah. emotional lifestyle. And when we go back to the whole three idea of money avoidance or money worship or money status, usually a lot of times those things uh, just kind of fall in line in terms of the psychology and the uh, the background of why people fall into mm. debt. The one area that I feel like we continue to revisit that's been so helpful even for me is to think through what are the financial goals that the listener or I'm setting in place that I want to achieve even as I think about how much I might be in debt, right? That's Mm -hmm. so helpful because sometimes that just feels like a philosophical idea that's out there and it's so hard to ring it in and make it practical. But if I am able to think about what is my personal goal or what are my family goals that I'm trying to achieve, which is why I'm trying to get out of debt, that will help accelerate the process and clarify the process. Absolutely. You know, uh, someone once said that you can't change what you do not acknowledge, Mm. right? So if you don't acknowledge what you what causes you the anxiety and the pain and how you get yourself out of it, like an ostrich just kind of burying your head in the sand. And it's a classic, you know, money avoidance issue. And then the debt just continues to pile on. The topic of generosity and our relationship to finances, it's come up a few times. And I would love to hear your perspective. So how does being generous actually give us a better handle or balance on our finances? The generosity to me is all about uh, liberation. It gives you the uh, liberality to be able to do good for the world and feel good about yourself. Generosity seems like such a counterintuitive thought to 
being financially secure, right? Because a lot of us, we might be thinking, okay, financial security means I need to get more, have more, put more in the bank. Yeah. But by being generous, you really are releasing, so to speak, quote unquote, the power that finances or money might have over you in an unhealthy way. Right. You know, when you learn to be generous, you're developing a lifestyle habit. And I think that's one of the key things about whether it be debt management or growing your wealth is that you're developing a, a lifestyle habit, just kind of like what you do when you work out or when you are trying to sure. diet or when you're exercising. Yes. Yeah. And I think it's that framework is so helpful as well, that it's money habits. It's not just a one-time thing that you need to think about or work through, but how do you create replicable patterns in your life where you can have a healthy relationship with your finances for the sake of generosity and being good for your cities? Absolutely. That's so helpful. Yeah. So Martin Luther King Jr. is quoted as saying, money like any other force such as electricity is amoral and can be used for either good or evil. And I know we've kind of talked about it in the lane of generosity, but specifically, how do you feel like your job helps you and your clients use money for good? I don't blatantly come out and talk about the value of money because I think there's different philosophical perspectives behind it. I think like we have said before, I think it's important to kind of understand what money is for you. Is it really a tool or is it really some sort of a pursuit of wealth or pursuit of security or ego or power? Mm. Any kind of relationship that you are trying to gain at. And so some things could be good, some things could be destructive. The question for me is that I don't want money, wealth to be the source of my my behavior you know i want my values uh, you know my desire to help my family um, help myself uh, help the community be the driver in terms of my motivation towards uh, gaining money or having money or giving money away and one of the things that's really kind of come to uh, to me is the idea that you know, how can I help people, not just people who are uh, rich, but also people who are struggling? And so we know, like right now, there's this incredible wealth gap, right? I mean, you think about people like, you know, multi-billionaire and they're getting richer and richer of the 1%. And then the gap between the rich, the haves and the haves nots are getting wider and wider. And for me, I feel like part of my uh, ethics and my Christian background is that I want to be able to kind of help bridge that wealth or that income gap. So if I can help a person invest their money and they have grown their net worth by 5% every single year, right? I've helped them uh, narrow the gap between that. So for me, it's a social justice issue that's uh, played out through my uh, Christian ethics and trying to help people and, and try hopefully make an impact in the sure. community. Yeah. So money really is not the end goal. Absolutely. Yep. Mm. Uh, Peter, thank you so much for your time on this podcast and sharing with us how you've personally processed through your relationship with money and how we can do that better for the good of our cities. Absolutely. Well, thanks for having me on. Hopefully that uh, this will be helpful for, for some of your listeners. Whether we like it or not, money is a part of all of our lives. As Martin Luther King Jr. reminds us, money is amoral and can be used for the building up of our communities or for evil. What new money scripts do you need to face in your story? How can you leverage your money to not only help your community, but allow you to live in freedom? Let's be the good. 
let's go change something. 